Hi friend, happy Tuesday. I have been looking forward to bringing you this conversation today with my guest, Michael Rubino. He is an indoor air quality expert and we are talking today all about mold. When mold grows in a house, it releases spores into the air that contain mycotoxins. These mycotoxins are what can make a person really, really sick. And this can also be a root cause for many symptoms and illnesses. Mold symptoms go way beyond allergy type symptoms and congestion. It can be coughing, wheezing, skin rashes, migraines, cognitive issues like brain fog and forgetfulness, and fatigue even. And that's just to name a few. So it is often not the first go-to from medical professionals. So this is why I bring on experts like Michael, so you can be your own best advocate for your health and truly begin to treasure your wellness. This is a conversation that is so incredibly important. So if you are listening while multitasking, which we often are, right? (laughs) Make a note to go back and listen again when you can take some notes or especially to get the link for the dust test that is in the description. The dust test Michael references will give you the answers that you may be looking for if you have been concerned that you may have mold in your home. Now, we need to always ask ourselves what's not right when it comes to our health. As you will hear, often people don't realize how sick they have been until they don't feel sick anymore. And this is true of not just mold toxicity, but anything when it relates to their wellness. I hear this often from my clients that they didn't realize how bad they felt until they didn't feel bad anymore. So if you have had any doubts about moving forward in this area, if you have suspected you may be dealing with a mold problem, I want you to ask yourself two questions as you listen. One, what's not right? And two, do I want to be well? Now, I have opened up a few additional spots this week for a clarity call where you can get clear on your specific tire triggers or if you know what they are, what your next step should be. So that link will be in the description. Go ahead and schedule your free clarity call this week so you can take the next step forward. Christian working woman over 40, are you struggling with consistently low energy and tiredness, but sick of the confusing midlife info out there? Are you tired of that menopausal belly bloat and worried you will always have that annoying brain fog feeling? Been there. But right here is where you get clarity and hope through biblical and holistic health solutions. Hi, I'm Michelle, holistic health coach and fellow midlifer. As the heartbeat of your home, decide right now in this season to partner with God with discipline, intentionality, and commitment to changing your life at midlife. If you're ready to stop chasing the world's way of health and be your healthiest whole self with more energy and less brain fog than you have had in a while, then you're in the right place. Grab your herbal tea, Bible, notebook, and pen, and let's treasure your wellness. Hi, everybody. It's good to have you back here on the Treasured Wellness Show. Let me tell you about my guest today. 
Michael Rubino is an indoor air quality expert that helps people create healthier environments to improve their health and well-being. And you know I'm all about that. So he is also the owner of Home Cleanse. He is an author. And I personally have had a few clients that have dealt with mold sickness, and it can be so much more than headaches and migraines. So I know how important this topic is. So even if you think that this might not be something you need to pay attention to, I encourage you to sit tight because you are going to glean so much important information from our conversation. I'm so happy to bring Michael onto the show to share his experience in this area. Welcome, Michael. Hey, thank you so much for having me. So happy to have this conversation because mold is such a huge problem and it's a concern that I don't think is addressed nearly as much as it should be because of the dangers that mold brings to our health. So, and, and our whole health, it's not just our body, it's our brain. It affects our brain so greatly and it compromises our air quality. And I know you're not a doctor, but with your experience, you no doubt have heard all of the stories and oftentimes yeah. checking mold in the body is a last attempt in the medical world to get to that root cause of illness. And with my coaching, I'm always trying to get to the root cause of what's going on with someone. So it that may be the very thing that's keeping somebody sick. So let's just jump right in, Michael. Talk to us about mold, how it grows, how it affects us, all the things. So mold is a fungus and it grows uh, pretty much in our homes and we have water damage. You know, it does need water to grow. So keeping up on top of water damage is really, really crucial. Uh, keeping on top of humidity inside of our homes is really, really crucial. And what people don't realize is that mold comes into our house all the time when we open doors and windows. It comes in off our clothing. It becomes a part of our dust. And once it's a part of our dust, it can just be an abundant in our environment where it's opportunistically entering our body with each breath that we take. But also when we do have a water event or when we do have high humidity, that's when these spores can start to grow into full-blown organisms. So it's kind of a little bit of a, a understanding of how this stuff promulgates all our, our environments. And really all we need to do is essentially remove our dust, protect our mechanical equipment, and make sure we stay on top of water damage, and then we won't be the adverse effect of it. Okay, great. Yeah. So, and, and you know, you've always got those dust, the dust beams that are coming through, right? When you see the sun coming through the window and everything. Um, so that's, that's really interesting. How, how can we, okay, I want to talk about crawl spaces and basements, because it is really most often present in those few places. And I'm actually even hearing lately about it being in new homes. I don't know if you have heard that. I'm sure you mm -hmm. have mm -hmm. due to the length of the time that the home is spent being built. Can you permanently get rid of mold in the basement and crawl space? Because there's so many people that have different opinions on that. And we know, and I want you to talk about this. We know that the bleach is not the best thing. You know, there's, and so I want you to go into that, talk as much as you want about this, but how can people get rid of mold in their basement and crawl space? So basements and crawl spaces are very problematic inside environments. Um, and what's interesting is 30% of the air that you breathe above that basement and crawl space is going to be coming from the basement and crawl space. So if you have a mold problem in your basement or crawl space, 
some people say to me, you know, I don't go down there, so it's not that big of a deal. No, it is a big deal because actually you're breathing air on the first floor and 30% of that air is coming from the crawl space. So if there's a mold problem down there, you're constantly breathing in mold. So it is definitely something you want to take um, consideration of. Now, how do we improve the environment? It's simple. We need waterproofing strategies. We need to make sure that gutters drain away from the property and not dump water right next to the foundation because that that vapor diffusion is always going to dry to the drier side, which in this case will be your basement or crawl space. And unfortunately, when that happens, now you're raising the humidity level way too much and allowing an opportunity for mold to grow. So waterproofing strategies and getting the water away from the house is really crucial. The other problem I see with basements and crawl spaces from the outside in is that people's landscaping and grading sometimes is not very good. Meaning, you know, you're supposed to have like a slope away from the house. But a lot of people love to put plants all up against the house. And sometimes that slope actually starts to go towards the house. If that's the case, water is consistently sitting and pooling right against the foundation. And again, because of how vapor diffusion works and how uh, moisture dries to the drier side, it's always going to be sitting against the foundation and migrate in. So we have to kind of start to look at strategies of getting the water away. So that is definitely a major part of how you keep this basement and crawl space mold-free, if you will. The other thing about uh, crawl space and basements, we have to understand zero mold is probably not obtainable in any part of the house. I mean, if you were to test and find zero mold spores, it would be unsustainable. However, we can have it under control. That there is, when you have a normal amount of mold, let's say, um, that is going to be very different than having a massive mold problem. So we want to make sure we're not fearful of this but we also want to make sure that we can understand we can control it, but we can't get it to zero. It's just not possible. Um, with basements and crawl spaces, sometimes crawl spaces are on top of soil and there's an abundance of mold and bacteria in the soil. So that stuff just comes into the air and migrates up into the house. So we want to put down a vapor barrier or my favorite thing to do is vapor barrier and then like a concrete slab just to give further degrees of separation from the soil into our living space. We also have a lot of moisture in the soil. So if you have an open soil condition in the crawl space, it, it, you're just going to always have that moisture. We also want to think about dehumidification. Again, keeping that environment under control. Mold can grow in 60% relative humidity or more. So we want to keep that really 50%, 35 to 50% is kind of that sweet spot where we want to be in our crawl spaces and basements. Um, we also want to think about the materials we're using in crawl spaces and basements. For me, I like a semi-finished basement, meaning it looks finished, but there's no food materials like poor insulation, cellulose insulation, uh, drywall, etc. So there's ways we can create ba finished basement looks uh, without having these mold food materials inside the basement. So that's another thing that I think people should really uh, consider. And the different types of flooring we use, also really important in a basement if we're going to use flooring, because carpet, for example, not really going to work out too well. It's going to absorb moisture and you're going to have a mold problem in your carpet. Uh, and if you use different floorings with different layers, you have to make sure everything's properly waterproofed. Otherwise, mold will develop with the trap moisture in between the concrete foundation floor and the finished floor. So like wood floors, um, you know, so, uh, even, even some laminates that don't, aren't properly waterproofed, you'll trap moisture in between them. So you want to make sure you're working with a flooring contractor who understands this waterproofing technology to make sure that you know you're not trapping moisture and allowing the ability for mold to grow.
Mm, yeah, that's really important. You know, we think logically carpet and basement is probably not the best idea, but nobody wants to be walking on concrete. And so generally you want something warm and cozy and soft. So you think about that. And then you think of how many years you have that carpet on the basement floor. So um, real quick, as you were talking about foundations, um, slab foundation popped into my mind. What is your take on slab foundation? So you don't have a basement, you don't have a crawl space, you just have that slab foundation. Is that better or worse? Well, that's what I have. I have a slab foundation. I live in Florida, so there's, there's no basements in Florida. There's too much moisture. Um, you know, you get to the what's better or what's worse. It, it You can do anything you want to do if you do it intelligently. That, I'll just say it like that. With a slab, you can do a slab poorly and you could not put a vapor barrier underneath or it could be punctured or not done well when they're building the home. And unfortunately, with that being said, if moisture gets into that slab and the slab's not very thick, you're going to have a moisture problem. So, you know, everything has its caveats, its pros and cons. You could do a crawl space, but again, if you don't have moisture management in that crawl space, you're going to have a problem. Uh, you could do a basement, same thing, no moisture management, you're going to have a problem. So it's all about how do we build this space and how do we protect it against moisture? And if we do that, you can have anything. Okay. That's interesting because yeah, if you have a crack in your foundation, then that's not great for many reasons, but it also can increase your moisture, which can increase the mold. So yeah, very interesting. Um, you know, we had to do a vapor barrier under our crawl space when we moved into the house and it was a brand new house even, but we had dirty sock syndrome. I know you've heard that mm -hmm. dirty sock syndrome. And it, it was like within the first winter of turning on the heat. And so we did a vapor barrier and, you know, I don't know that we did it, um, a hundred percent accurate. I mean, we did, um, you know, read up on that at the time, but that was 20 years ago. So um, we have not, you know, thank the Lord had any issues, but houses that have not had the vapor barrier put in when they also experienced that dirty sock syndrome are now we're starting to see that they're having mold issues. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the dirty sock syndrome typically is a bacteria, but where you have bacteria, you will typically also have mold. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big red flag, big red flag. Yeah. So, okay, let's talk about um, air filtration systems, the HVAC, the duct work, all of that. I mean, because we know safe air is paramount, especially if you've been dealing with mold removal. What should people be looking for when moving into a, a older home, especially? And also talk about those air filtration systems. Older homes, uh, you know, depending on the age, you know, typically aren't as problematic as newer homes, just because the technology of how we build them and the difference in products that we use today versus, let's say, 100 years ago, um, totally different. For example, most older homes are balloon framed. So there's actually an air cavity in between the exterior wall and the interior wall. So even if there is a leak, the, the ability for that home to dry is much better than today's modern home where it's a 16 inch thick wall and there's all this insulation and material to get wet and hold that moisture for a long time. So that's one big trade-off. Um, of course, older homes could have more histories of leaks and that would be your biggest concern in an older home. You want to look at doors and windows. 
Are these original 100-year-old doors and windows? We probably want to replace them. They probably have some leaking issues. Um, you, you'll want to test an older home to see where there might be hot spots for mold. And when the hot spots are very high, depending on the species or the quantity, we might want to consider remediation of those areas if, in fact, those areas can create a, a massive problem for the amount of particles and or toxins we're breathing in every day, 20,000 times a day. Um, so that would probably be the, the challenges with the older homes is making sure the building's not leaking and the history of water damage throughout the lifespan of the home doesn't have uh, any toxic mold issues that you might want to address. In newer homes, they're built a lot tighter than they used to be. There is no air cavity between the exterior wall and the interior wall. The exterior wall and the interior wall are basically share the same wall now. And we have all this all these layers of insulation, depending on how new the home is, you might have spray foam insulation throughout the entire home. There might be literally no ventilation whatsoever. And that means that when we have a problem, uh, as compared to the 100-year-old house, we're going to be dealing with the effects of that problem much more significantly than an older home, because in a newer home, there's a lot less quantity of air being diluted, meaning you're going to breathe in a higher concentration of particles and or toxins. Also, this means that we have a higher risk in the HVAC system because the HVAC system essentially brings air in, it conditions it, and supplies it back out to our rooms. Well, uh, there's a thing called the evaporator coil. There's a thing called the blower unit. These particles can get into the HVAC system. They can start growing around the evaporator coil because it constantly condensates. It's the reason we have drip pans and drain lines that take water away from the HVAC unit outside of our house. So when it's wet, mold and bacteria can start to grow and thrive inside that evaporator coil. And then when it dries in the wintertime, uh, we get that, that heat blowing, or even if you just have the fan on, on auto, unfortunately that stuff dries out and then it breaks apart into much more tiny particles that then spread across the house. Uh, and that's where you, I, we always get calls in the wintertime significantly, like I don't feel well, and they might've felt fine in the summertime. And a lot of people think that yeah, should be reversed. You know, the humidity in the summertime should be, should be creating the problem. And it does. It creates the problem in the summertime. People feel it in the wintertime, right? And that's kind of how this, this all goes. So uh, I think it's really important that depending on the age of the home, we might be thinking differently, but we still, unfortunately, even in newer homes, have to be considerate about how the home is impacting the air quality. And if there are high levels of mold or bacteria, that's going to be problematic. So what would the best way be to test like if you are looking for a new home whether you know whether it's used or new like if you're looking for a home and this is a concern of yours what should people be looking for well i mean you could visually look for staining and water damage signs uh, a free little hack that i love is you could go over to the toilet tanks and take that heavy cover off the toilet tank and look inside and flip over the cover and look at the back side of the cover if you see mold growing in those toilets, uh, toilet tanks, it's typically an indication that there's mold somewhere nearby that's opportunistically getting in there. Um, if you're looking for more of a scientific route, uh, one of the tools that I help develop for consumers is called the dust test. And we are actually testing the dust. See so how it works is you take a, a cloth and you go in and you collect dust from random parts of the house and you send it into the lab lab analyzes it using PCR technology. So we're looking at, we're actually looking at the DNA of what's in the dust. 
and we can identify 36 different mold species. We can identify toxins produced by mold. We can identify toxins produced by bacteria. And we're getting a sense of what we're actually breathing in and what we're actually exposed to. And then we can say, are these numbers normal or are they abnormal? And that's, that's really helpful because previous to dust testing technology, all you have was air testing. I'm sure everyone on here has heard of you know, air testing technology. Someone comes in, they set up almost like a tripod in the center of your room. There's a little pump and it collects uh, basically mold spores and then it analyzes in the lab. The problem with air testing is it only gets 75 milliliters of air. So it's a very small quantity of air uh, considering the average person breathes in about 2000 gallons of air per day. So you are not getting an accurate picture of what you're actually being exposed to when you just do a little air test, um, especially in the center of the room. Cause what we learned from COVID particles typically travel about three to six feet away from the emanate about three to six feet from the source in which they emanate from. So that means that if I'm testing in the center of the room and let's say I'm in a standard 10 by 10 room, I'm probably going to miss any problems that I have inside that room because most of the problems are going to be on an exterior wall and an interior wall, right? So that's why getting the dust is a much better screening tool. Just like when we're not feeling well, we screen our bodies to see, okay, what's out of whack here? We can do the same thing with the house now. Wow, that's really fascinating. So that's something that you provide. Yes, Super simple. You go to the dusttest.com, you buy it, it goes ships right to your house. You collect your dust, you send it right back to the lab. It's probably the simplest at-home test you can do for the house. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's really important. That's important to know. I didn't realize um that that was even a thing. <laughs> and you know what's really interesting about this this technology, looking at the correlation from the medical side of things is pretty crazy. So you know how people can do like mycotoxin testing of the body? Yes. Right? So like 99% of the time, we'll see that someone has high levels of opratoxin A inside their body, right? Aspergillus produces opratoxin A. And when we test the house, we typically see they have super high levels of aspergillus. So you can kind of draw those parallels. Okay, well, we need to improve this data upon their house because we could see the direct impact and the direct correlation that it has on their health. And it's really cool because tech, no technology has really ever existed before that really started to tie into the medical side of things. Yeah, because like I said earlier, it's a last resort, it seems to be like where um, practitioners are, they're not going to that first because, you know, it's not as common, you know, we're not just automatically thinking a mold issue, but often it's the very thing that's keeping people so sick and debilitated. And it's just, they're in their home all the time. And even when they've gone through mold remediation, I am even hearing where it's not been effective. Like they're still smelling mold from their vents. They've had their um, duct work change. They've had all of these things done. They've done the process. They've spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and they still can smell mold on their clothing. They can smell mold um, as they walk past a certain area in their house, you know, maybe where the, the exchange rate air is, um, you know, so it's really a problem. This is a very serious problem, keeping people sick. Yeah, I should probably tell you my origin story here because um, this kind of ties in and helps answer that question a little bit, or maybe it wasn't a question, more of a statement. Um, 
I got into this field uh, about 11 years ago now. And my dad has been a restoration contractor since I'm five years old. He does fire restoration, but fires get put out with water. So you can get the picture here. Yeah. Um, having to deal with a whole host of environmental issues um, when fires happen between mold and the arsenic and heavy metals and all these different things that happen, smoke damage, et cetera. It creates a complex situation. So I've grown around, grown up around dealing with all of these things um, in my family business. And when I got older, Hurricane Sandy happens, decimates the Northeast. Okay. Uh, 200,000 homes or something to that effect got damaged. And uh, for seven years um, in my 20s, I was dealing with visiting people's homes. And the pattern of, of illness that I saw was staggering. Now, prior to this, growing up my entire life, mold was just something you poured bleach on, you painted over. I never really looked at this as a health thing, right? I just didn't. I probably like most people listening, unless they've been through it themselves, they just don't see that. Um, and it just, it, it really took this pattern of me walking into people's homes and I'm being really sick uh, before I said, hey, there's something here that we are missing. And I started deep diving into research. And, you know, there's two schools of thought. It's really problematic versus it's no big deal, right? And that's, that's the schools of thought that you have. Now, mold and environmental toxins is really not talked about in medical textbooks. So we ask the question, why don't doctors know about this? Because they're not being taught it. It's just not in their, it's just not in their schooling. Right. And that's a big problem that needs to be addressed. But furthermore, when I started going into the people's houses, not only were they sick, but they had already been remediated. These houses were already fixed. So for seven years thereafter, Hurricane Sandy, I was refixing homes that were supposedly fixed. And what dawned on me was, oh my God, there's an entire industry that's dedicated to cosmetically fixing the problem. So it looks like it was repaired, but they're, they have no understanding of science. And what, if you took these classes with me, because it's actually laughable, but every two years I have to retake these classes in all these different states that I'm licensed in. And even to this day, you know, they'll tell you about the dangers of mold. They'll tell you that it can make people really sick. They'll, they'll, they'll maybe touch on mycotoxins, but that's the extent of it. And they'll tell you to set up air scrubbers and they'll tell you to set up plastic, but they're not harping in on how big of a medical emergency this is. And so even in the training, you're going to train people in the construction field that are going to come out and they think that if they just cut out some drywall and spray some chemicals on it, it's all good. And you can build right back. And a lot of these guys are building right back without doing any post-testing. And so you get into this situation where all these people didn't feel well because yeah, the house might have looked been like, looked like it was fixed, but with further testing, all these particles and all these toxins, they're still there and they're still breathing them in. And that's why they still smell the mold. And that's why they still don't feel well. And so part of my, my vision was to create a company called Home Cleanse to actually go in and clean up homes scientifically, not just cosmetically, so that people can actually feel the difference. And so, you know, I developed a process around not just removing the, you know, sources, but also the byproducts and making sure people follow that process is key and walking them through that process is key because without it, uh, people are going to continue to make mistakes, hiring the wrong people that are really more than more just construction people and not people that have actually studied microbiology. If you don't look at 
it from that perspective, unfortunately, it doesn't matter how much money you spend, you will not achieve what you want to achieve, which is a healthier home. Right. So take a minute and just kind of, if you don't mind, walk us through what your process is, because I'm telling you, I'm hearing this more and more where people are spending the thousands of dollars and they're still sick and they still smell it. All right. So let's say there's a leak in a bathroom. All right. And let's say the leak came from top down and it's on an exterior wall. What the remediation industry would do was cut two feet off the bottom of that wall and then dry it out. And by the way, when they're drying it out, they're spreading mold all over your place, but that's a whole nother topic of discussion. And then after they dry it out, they spray a chemical and they put the wall back. No testing happens, right? They certainly didn't remove the entire wall that the path that the water had traveled, which means that there's all this wet material above that trap moisture that it might not have mold today, but it's going to have mold within 48 hours. And so by the time these guys come through and leave, it's a very cut and run type of situation. And now you start to get sick probably a few months later after this happened, right? So we would open the entire wall up. We would clean the entire wall and make sure that there's absolutely no mold there. But also while how, as long as that mold has been there, it's creating particles. It could be creating toxins, right? Because toxins it creates as a self-defense mechanism. Now, what is it defending against? Uh, not really us. They're defending against each other. You might have Aspergillus and Stachybotrys growing in the same wall cavity, and they're actually trying to kill each other to take over that real estate. So we're innocent bystanders of essentially chemical warfare of this microorganism that most of us don't even know exists in our homes. And that's really what's happening. And a lot of people, when they go in and cut that two feet out, not only do they not remediate the source properly, and so there will still be mold in that wall, but they don't clean the area up and remove the byproducts. They also don't look at the HVAC system. As I mentioned earlier, these particles and toxins get into the HVAC system over time. They contaminate the HVAC system. And so we're still breathing that in. And they're not looking at that either. They're not testing it. They're not recommending to clean it, Not nothing. So this mold in the wall is now still going to be in the wall because they didn't, they just did a flood cut as they call it. And all the particles that it's been creating over time have likely got into the HVAC, which they've neglected altogether. And so you're still going to be breathing this stuff in. You probably had contents in the bathroom. None of those got cleaned or addressed properly. And so, you know, when somebody comes back to their home after paying thousands of dollars for this substandard remediation, they're still going to feel the effects of it, of course. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's really, really interesting. So how long does your uh, really re true remediation take? You know, when you're, you know, obviously people generally have to move out of their home while this is going on. Can you explain? It's a good idea. Yeah. So I would tell you that the average person probably spends about two weeks remediating their home. The average person. Now, I can tell you projects I've worked on that were three months long. Uh, and obviously, the price tag on two weeks versus three months is a significant margin. Uh, the, the, difference, uh, the difference really is um, most of the people that contact me, they contact me because they are sick and they need help. And so most of the time, we are finding a multitude of problems inside their house that need to be corrected at once. So 
I don't really get the calls. I just had a little leak in my bathroom closet. Can you come in and fix my closet for me? No, I get the calls like I am sick and I have no idea what's happening. Please help. And so unfortunately for me, the average project's probably a lot longer than most people are, are used to because I'm fixing typically sometimes four or five or more different problems at the same time. Um, and sometimes people have really big problems, like all their windows are leaking. And now we have to get all new windows ordered, get all the windows changed, remediate around all the windows on the inside because they're leaking into the inside. Um, and some of those just ordering windows could take four to six weeks, right? So that can drag things out. Um, leaving is a good idea. I'll tell you why. I don't care how good you are. When you're changing building pressurizations, you are going to stir stuff up. So I'll give you an example. Let's say you have a bathroom on the second floor. Your bedrooms are on the second floor. The bathroom's the problem. I got to put that bathroom under negative pressure, right? When I put that bathroom under negative pressure, what's happening to the air across the entire house? It's being pulled towards that bathroom. So you're living in your bedroom. You already have mold that's been created and that's, been, that's in your dust. And as you're sleeping in your bedroom at night and that air is being pulled towards the, the, the bathroom, you're going to be breathing that in. And it's going to be a higher concentration than typically if the air was more still. So with that being said, you never, I don't care how small the remediation project is, you want to move out for your for the sake of your health because you're going to be breathing in stuff even with the best people. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Wow. That was really, really informative. Thank you so much. I was taking a bunch of notes just throughout this whole interview. So obviously we could be diving even deeper into this. It's such an important topic and it's just, I'm so glad there are people like you, Michael, that can actually go in and fix what wasn't, wasn't truly fixed when people are still getting sick. They're still getting sicker and they trusted the process that they knew about and that they learned about. And, you know, I don't want to get into the whole insurance issue because that's a whole other nightmare. But um, I just think that that would be a good place to stop. But would you leave our listeners with some encouragement? Because we've talked about some heavy stuff today. Yeah. And I think that they need some encouragement. Leave them with a treasure truth. All right. So this is a two-parter. All right. We take 20,000 breaths per day. Now that equates to about 2,000 gallons of air, which I already mentioned. But visually, 2,000 gallons of air is almost enough to fill up a normal size swimming pool. That's how much air you're breathing in, right? And so if you think about it, particle-wise, you are probably breathing in somewhere around the 100 million particles per day range. So what's in those particles is very, very important because no matter what particle it is, the body has to then fight to remove it. You already mentioned how when you're by a, a window on a sunny day, that light refracts off the window. I mean, off the particles in the air and you get, you have that aha moment, like, holy cow, there's a lot of stuff I'm breathing in. It's true. And so what I want people to understand is you can be empowered to make a difference in the quality of air that you breathe which will ch undoubtedly change the quality of life. I can tell you uh, so many different families, some people were suffering, maybe one or two people weren't feeling well, and maybe one or two people were feeling fine, or so they thought. 
And then when they made some changes, those two people that were fine realized, oh, I have so much more energy now. Wow. I thought I was just getting older or, you know, I thought I just was uh, out of shape or something. No, no, you, you actually, they actually felt a, a, an improvement. And so it's important to say that. And the other thing is, you know, use data to empower yourself to make decisions, right? Whether you're not feeling well or not feeling your best, either which way. You can test your body. You can see what's out of whack. You can support those things that are out of whack and get them back in balance. And you can look at your home the same way. And I think for a lot of people, they don't realize how strong the home health connection really is. And if they've learned nothing today but that, then I have done my job. Yeah, very, very good. Very good tips there. And, and you know, it's it's so much more than take your shoes off because you've been walking through public restrooms and, you know, parks and things like things like that. It's just, we really need to be intentional about stopping and thinking about what is our quality of air, our water, the food we're taking in, you know, what we're doing, our environmental toxins. And that's what we talk about here on Treasured Wellness. And what you said is, yeah, you don't realize how bad you felt until you don't feel that way anymore. And you thought that that was normal, but just because something is common doesn't make it normal. And so it's, it's really a great encouragement that we can step outside and just be like, okay, what's not right. What is not right. What has been going on for so long? Have I been having headaches? Have I been, having allergy symptoms, like what, what is going on? You know, am I seeing little telltale signs around my windows and my doors and all of that? And I think it's a good idea to go ahead and get testing like the, the dust test or, you know, your air quality test. So great information. How can people get in touch with you, Michael? Uh, you can go to homecleanse.com. You can go to the michaelrubino.com. You could also find me on Instagram. Just search for Michael Rubino. TikTok, even uh, threads, uh, X, Twitter, whatever that thing's called these days. Uh, you can pretty much find me everywhere. And I'm always sharing free, awesome information so that you can take control and improve your environment uh, without having to be a microbiologist, which is good. Very good. Yeah. Nobody has time for that. <laughs> Nobody has time for that. Nobody has time for that. So that's why we look to you as the expert. So wonderful. And I will have all of Michael's links uh, down there in the description and in the show notes. And so you can search him out and continue to follow for more really pertinent information for your health. Thank you so much, Michael, for coming on today. I've really enjoyed listening. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, friend. I hope it challenged you, encouraged you, and stretched you in some way. If it did, would you stop right now and share this episode with someone else who has been praying for a breakthrough in her whole health? Also, it would bless me so much if you would pop on over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a quick review to let me know how much you are liking the content and to help other women just like you find the show. Treasured Wellness can also be found on Christian Mix 106 and Radio Free America online streaming radio stations. So check out those two amazing platforms. One more thing, come on over to our Facebook community, Holistic Health for Christian Women Over 40. I would love to see you there. Until next time, remember, you are a beautiful treasure.